the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Jesse Gestand. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gestand. And I'm yours for the next two hours. 505 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. You heard the announcer, Jesse Gistan, on this Monday edition, November 20th, 2017. All the lines are open. 1-888-367-5329. 1-888-367-5329. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it and thank God for all of the graces he has poured upon us, out on us, if you will, as Americans and as folks who live in the Bay Area here. We are so privileged. But with privileges also comes responsibility. So let's be responsible for the next two hours and engage in those topics that will both honor God and advance the cause of Christ in our life. And again, the number is one triple eight three six seven five three two nine one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Two topics I want to deal with over the course of these two hours. It doesn't really matter how they advance themselves. Which one gains the most proportion? Um, but first, I do want to say that you and I should be, ought, must be thankful. We ought to be thankful. Very thankful. For our lot in life. Psalm 16, David says, the the lot has fallen out for me in pleasant places. When he thought about God's measure of grace and unmerited favor placed upon David, he realized that even with all the troubles that he had, and he had plenty of troubles, he said, do you know what? The lot of God's providence in my life has so far outmeasured the troubles that all I can do is thank God for his goodness in my life. And I think that that's true for many of us, if not most of us listening today. So a couple of days from now, we will be engaging in Thanksgiving. So I'll give you an opportunity to call and give me a reason for which you are thankful. I've got three basic propositions on a theological level just to 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 continue to to germinate to to break up the follow ground and to to soil your heart with biblical truth around it or maybe sow some seed into the soil one of the two soil our seed however way God wants to do it you and I, you and I ought to be people particularly if we know the grace of God that are ready to be thankful ready to give thanks ready to declare uh, God's goodness and mercy and grace in our life the second thing i want to do today with you is to discourse you on of course what happened last thursday it was a wonderful event i don't know if you got a chance to listen uh craig had declared it a few weeks earlier i think i shared it with you as soon as i found out that we would be having a topic on race relations which took place next uh, last thursday um as the schedule programming allowed and it was at faith fellowship church in hayward California down the street. Faith Fellowship happens to be the church that Pastor Gary Matura uh, pastors as senior pastor. And I, I'll tell you, here are some of the the basic takeaways that I will share with you on that. And if you heard the program and you want to chime in on it, we can. We can continue to work through how to develop an understanding about the subject of race relations and what was the motivation behind it with regards to Craig's desire to continue having the discussion. If you if you enjoyed it, let me know. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. If you enjoyed that topic, let me know. Unfortunately, because of the rain, we didn't have a whole lot of people came out. It was enough to engage a topic or a discussion like a townhouse. 
But in reality, given the enormity of the subject, the relevance of the subject, the the significance of the topic we were dealing with, um, I would say that all believers everywhere should want to take every opportunity they possibly can to advance their understanding of the subject matter because it's so pervasive relative to who we are as a people, an American people, a Western culture and the dynamics that play into all of the elements that we call race relations. Let me say it like this. And again, the number is one 888 It was first, in my opinion, very productive. I think that the two hours of discussion where Craig Roberts did an excellent job, in my opinion, of moderating uh, it, it, it it demonstrated to me how much Craig understood the sensitivities of the matters and the, some of the factors that go into how you have a conversation about it and make sure that the train doesn't wreck. He did a great job. I enjoyed all of the panelists. Uh, and here are some of the things that I would suggest uh, were distinctives for every person that was there. Pastor Gary Matara basically said this thing has to be modeled, lived out, starting with the church. I agreed with him, affirmed him on that leadership down should demonstrate a a clear uh, control and domination over sinful tendencies, even if they uh, take on the form of racism, so that we model the transcendent, unique blessing of the Imago Dei as redeemed and centered in the person of Christ. That's just really the way that it should be done. That was Pastor Gary's contribution besides some very keen textual observations in the book of Acts that were critical to our understanding that this whole thing of race relations is a process. Uh, Pastor Flavio gave us a what we would call a synopsis of the solution when he said the gospel, which is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believes to the Jew first and then also to the Gentile for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live how by faith. That was Pastor Flavio's ultimate uh, contribution. And then Pastor Loritz keenly Acknowledge the fact that even though we may have diverse churches, as some of us do, multi-ethnic churches and therefore diversity of cultural uh, experiences and and uh, qualification being brought into the church, as we talked a bit about, he says that we must go beyond diversity. I agree with him. He says we must we must develop a process of integration. So I want you to capture those two words if you are listening to learn. And you know, when I talk, it's about learning as well. So if you're listening to learn, understand that diversity is not the end game integration is the end game. Diversity is not the end game. Integration is the end game. Integration is where the diverse parties come together and find that magic, find that, that, that set of tools, find that mechanism that allows us to become one without losing our distinctives. And so our society is diverse, but it's not integrated. The church should be both diverse and integrated. And he reminded us that the way it is now is the way it will be in glory apart from that root of sin that still has its uh, tendencies to cause us to live in both worlds. Revelation chapter five, nine out of every nation, kindred, tribe and tongue. Have you redeemed the people for yourself through the blood of your darling son, Jesus, who is the lamb of the living God sitting on the throne, opening all of the sealed judgments, which ushers in the progress of human history until he comes again. He's building his church from every nation under heaven. I agree with that magnificent proposition. So as we do work towards diversity, because our cultures will allow for it, our neighborhoods will allow for it. uh, We do not want to deny uh, the distinctives of our particular cultures and ethnic groups. My contribution to it was this, that one must not convolute terms and phrases and ideas around so, so, so significant an issue. So, so radically historical an issue. So, um, so impacting traumatically as well as, well, even down to epigenetics, uh, the relationship between powers and peoples that has brought about this whole construct of racism and prejudice and discrimination. As I stated, they are three distinct categories. A person may be racist 
And if indeed they are racist and they have the power to implement their prejudice and execute discrimination, a person may not have the power to execute racism on a larger systemic level and yet be prejudiced within. You can be prejudiced, but don't have the power to discriminate. You see the difference? And so discrimination is the act. Prejudice is the heart disposition and racism is a system by which all this can be implemented and has been over the many, 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 many years of the founding of our nation going all all the way back to Europe. So we had a discussion around that, at least from my part, unless we get the terms right, we will continue to perpetuate myths around these issues and talk apples and oranges. So I, I think it was a really good discussion. And I think it's it's something that really every congregation, every pastor, every leadership group needs to understand. And the resources are out there. The data is in. The evidence is clear, incontrovertible. By the way, that's why we're experiencing right now a tsunami swelling of of momentum, of issues that at some point is going to push over into society and force us to have to deal with it. It's just not going to go away. Um, be sure your sins will spy you out. This is speaking to our nation, not individuals. So if you want to talk about it, the number is one triple eight three six seven five three two nine three six seven five three two nine one triple eight on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Three lines open. Um, but let me just share with you why we need to be thankful. The psalmist says in Psalm one oh seven, these words, oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. See, ultimately only the redeemed can say it in any real deep and and significant sense. Who hath redeemed us from the hand of the enemy and hath gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. They wandered in a wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their souls fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distress. He led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. This is the reason why I love celebrating Thanksgiving is because we get to do just that. Thank God for calling us out of darkness into his marvelous light, showing us his magnificent, effulgent glory centered in the person of his son, Jesus. And that impact has begun a process of transformation in our lives as well. We dwell in the light. And as such, the blood of Jesus Christ continues to cleanse us from all sin. And we get to walk with the true and the living God. My first proposition then, and I'll share three aspects of, of this idea of thanksgiving with you over the course of the two hours that you will be compelled to stay in dialogue. By the way, two lines open, one 888 The reason to be thankful is that thankfulness is an epiphany. It's an epiphany. It's an inward revelation of his goodness to you. We are not naturally thankful. God has to reveal that in us by showing us his goodness in our life on a circumstantial level and then leveling, leveling our soul in the sense that we come to realize, you know what? The one fundamental thing that God has called me to do with all that he has done for me is to tell him, thank you. Thank you, oh God, for your goodness in our life. So what is thankfulness? It's an epiphany. Have you had one? Has God revealed to you how good he has been to you in providence in the pur- purposes of God in Christ and him taking you by the hand and walking you in and out of all your troubles? Have you had that epiphany? If so, then the joy of the Lord is your. That's right. That's the first of the three categories for which we ought to be thankful. It's an epiphany. I've got two more. I got two lines open, one triple eight, three six seven five three two nine, one triple eight. Three six seven five three two nine. I'm going to take a break. When we come back, we will take your phone calls. Give me a call. Let's talk about it before Thanksgiving on the Monday edition of Lifeline with your host, Jesse Gistan. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistan. Yes, we are at the time. 522 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Two lines open. one 367 I have prodded your thoughts about Thanksgiving. And I've said Thanksgiving is an epiphany that God has to make manifest in your soul. You and I are not thankful by nature. We are 
selfish by nature and self-centered. And when God shows you all that he has done for you, and he doesn't actually show you all that he has done for you because that is the process of, of unfolding by which you might actually enter into a relationship with him. He draws you out. I've drawn you with loving kindness, says God. You begin to be aware that God has been better to you than you deserve. And that's where we give him thanks as the psalmist so plainly declares, oh, that men would uh, praise the Lord for his wonderful works that he has done to the children of men. And if anyone is going to praise God, it's the redeemed. Let the redeemed say so. And then I opened up the floor for us to dialogue about the race relations uh, conference you may have heard on Thursday that took place at uh, at Faith Fellowship uh, last Thursday under the um, care and permission of Senior Pastor Gary Matar. He did a great job, by the way. Um, if you want to talk about it, we can. Love to. Two lines open: one triple eight three six seven five three two nine one triple eight. Three six seven five three two nine. If you have another question or another comment or a topic you want to bring to the table, maybe we can use that to frame a wonderful event for this next hour and seven minutes on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Let me go to line number one and uh, line number two and talk with Pauline in San Jose. Pauline, are you there? Yes, I am. What's your question, comment, observation I today? I was there on. Um on Thursday, and that was a great topic on racism, so uh, I'm glad I was attending. I drove all the way from Santa Cruz straight to, from work all the way over to the well, San Lorenzo. You know, well, you know what, Pauline? The Lord's going to bless you extra much for it because whenever you—there you go. First of all, it was raining uh, quite a bit, and a lot of people told me they just couldn't make it out because our traffic in the Bay Area, Bay Area particularly from San Jose, but in— in all reality, virtually everywhere now, the traffic is just horrific after about 2 o'clock. So for you to have come out, Pauline, I really thank you for that. It means that you are, it means that you are serious about the conversation as well, and I, I appreciate that because all Christians ought to be. So what's your question or thoughts today? So I'm very thankful for the Lord saving me. I've been saved for over about 30 years already. And if it had not been for him, I don't know where would I be. And even in this world today with so much going on, I don't know how I I couldn't serve the Lord because um, there's just too much going on. Think about it. um, Think about that. Think about it. I'm sorry. I'm jumping in because I'm so happy for you making that observation. I I think sometimes— you know, when I look out and I see all the craziness going on in the world, I say, how do the world, how do they do it without God? How do they do that? Yeah. And, you know, how do you do this crazy without help from on high? I don't know how they do it. <laughs> the reality is they don't do it. They don't okay. do it. They're not getting it done. Have you ever heard of a man named Charlie Rose? No, I haven't. Okay. So that means you are, you must be a Gen Xer or a millennial. <laughs> So you ain't gonna answer that because you're you're female. You're not gonna, huh? But but you know what? I appreciate meeting you face to face because my point that I wanted to get across was um, my sister, as I had gave all the pastors there on the panel, and I appreciate all the pastors that were there because I listened to them all. And um, my sister, I was telling you that uh, for a whole year, two every Tuesday straight, she'll cook homemade burritos and coffee mm. and go out into mm. Santa Cruz and feed the homeless. <laughs> yeah. And it's going to be a year to uh, in January, and she's going to put a big old uh, what, what the Lord had gave her a vision to get all uh, church folks, people, uh, people to come together and uh, join hands on this bridge and form one big old circle. And we need 700 people to join together and pray over the city of Santa Cruz, and that's the vision that she wants to see God um, come to fruition for that. Well, we're going to start right here by um, just ferreting this out a little bit. The date that your first of all, what's your sister's name? Because she doesn't get to give a clarion call out without declaring who she is. Darlene Vine. Okay, now who, 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 who are you, uh, Carla? I have Pauline, but Pauline what? Fizel. Okay, and you guys are sisters. We're twins. Okay, you're twins. All right, that's that's yeah. sister. That's really sister. Um, yeah, and we're both saved, and this is a twin calling. Okay, then then, then you're calling too. I am calling too. Okay, so here's the thing we want to do. We want to just make sure that your data is clear. If the trumpet gives an uncertain sound, people will not know what to do. So first right. of all, we want to date. December 9th. So December 9th. Now we want a time. 1 o'clock. 1 p.m. 
afternoon on December 9th. December 9th happens to be what day? Saturday. It's going to be a Saturday at 1 p.m. on December 9th, coming up in about three weeks. Um, and mm-hmm. where is it going to be located at? San Lorenzo Park. San Lorenzo Park. See, that's why we have to do this, because it sounded like you were talking about Santa Cruz. It's in Santa Cruz. Oh, it's, okay. So it's San Lorenzo Park in Santa Cruz. You know we got a San Lorenzo here, right here and right down the yeah, street. Yeah, that's where we was at. <laughs> okay. So right, all right. So now we're talking San Lorenzo Park in Santa Cruz. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So what we're doing is giving a shout out now to everybody who either wants to travel for about an hour. It's about an hour and 10 minutes from here to get there. Or for those of you who are living closer, Dublin, uh, Hayward, uh, Fremont, um, San Mateo area, Palo Alto, um, Sunnyvale, uh, Santa Clara, and certainly certainly the Santa uh, San Jose folks out in that area. That would be uh, comfortable for you guys to Get out there during that time and and uh, and join hands and uh, and pray for Santa Cruz. Is that what we're praying for? Yes. Okay. And so, there is a website that they can go to. Oh, excellent! See, that's another piece of resource. And what is the website? It's called it's Divine. Okay, Divine. Divine Designs. Okay, Divine Designs. Dot com. Dot com. Like divine, is it D-E-V-I-N-E or D-I-V-I-N-E? D-V-I-N-E. Okay, D-V-I-N-E. Divinedesign.com. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good. That's good. That's very clear, Pauline. Um, and so for those of you who aren't uh, particularly pre-obligated on that day, you are certainly welcome to join them. Now, specifically, what are you praying for? We're praying over the the homeless encampment that's over there, and we want to be mindful because that whole area, once we come together over that bridge to bridge, and then there's two paths on each side of the bridge, and we're going to circle around and join hands and pray over uh, to, for souls to be saved, revival. The Lord says, if my people come together and pray, so we all need to join together and pray over the city, um, pray for the crime, pray for um, the government, pray for the everything that we can think of, just coming together as a, a people um, to pray. Okay, that sounds good. That is definitely a reasonable reason for which people are to come together. Um, perhaps as we get closer to that date, you might want to give a call in again, and uh, we can remind people as as we get closer to that date, Pauline. Right, because there's going to be three different areas of parking. You know, with all that many people coming into Santa Cruz, the parking is going to um, be scarce. So uh, it's going to be a powerful move of God, and we just want to see um, God do His miraculous. Um, miracles and signs and wonders that he always does. So we're expecting something great out of this. Now, what you want to do is make sure all that kind of particular information is on the website. Okay, great. That way, that way the enemy doesn't take advantage of the disgruntled people because of parking issues. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Listen, right. thank you. So thank much. you. Blessings, my sister. Going to take a break. I'll get Gail in San Francisco. We've got three lines open. one 367 Give me a call. Let's talk about being thankful. Let's talk about working through the process of getting this thing of race relations right. On the Monday edition of Lifeline, one 367 We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. And we're back the time, 536 on this Monday edition of Lifeline. Let's go to line number three and talk with Gil in San Francisco. Gil, what is your question, observation, or comment today? Well, I actually wanted to compliment the panel on the discussion on Thursday. It was really excellent. Great. And I'm I'm hoping it will be replayed because I've there were a couple of points that I wanted to recheck and it would be beneficial to hear it. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure they'll replay it, but I know that we do plan on advancing that, uh, that conference two or three more times. So in the next couple of months, uh, maybe in the next couple of weeks, you'll hear about a next, another, another opportunity. Craig is really, um, convinced that this is is helpful. Uh, do you have any idea what, what it was that you didn't quite grasp? No, actually, I, I just really wanted to hear the whole thing because it, it seemed like it was flowing together so well, and it was almost like it was scripted. I don't know how you guys did that, but it was really good. Oh, good. And, 
and mm-hmm. uh, uh, and and of course, I didn't want to know if in a second when a schedule, if two more are scheduled, I will definitely try to be there on site. Um, absolutely worthwhile hearing, and it, I don't know, it was good enough to to make the news so, so people could hear really what goes on in Christian radio. It was really good. I think that Craig might very well air it again. I don't know. I know he's savvy enough to know that when something turns out well, um, it is worth repeating a couple, two or three times. And so he might be listening even now to, to recognize that 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 might be a good um, repeat uh, down the line, because I, I think I agree with you. Um, it was kind of a test pilot for four pa- uh, pastors who had never, uh, ever met each other. And we really didn't have a script at all. There was no script. Um, it was just a matter of us behaving ourselves uh, as men and then recognizing that we're there to contribute to the dialogue in a way that models what should be a conversation between, uh, you know, um, different ethnic groups, particularly um, black people and, and white people or Caucasians and African-Americans so that we can know how to dialogue around it in a way that uh, that respects each other, but advances the truth and the facts around racism. And uh, that's not real easy. Gail, ha- has that been your experience? I would say it's not really easy. I am, not, I am at least in part white, but I'm also American Indian. Sure. And I used to have to beat up people who were beating up on my little brother who was uh, quite dark compared yeah. to yeah. us. And I, so, yes, I do identify. Right, right. That's uh, all you had to do is be within the spectrum. And unfortunately, that's it's a consequence of a fictitious construct. It has absolutely nothing to do with what I would call polygenetics, uh, certainly not eugenics, that is superior ethnic groups or superior races. It's just a faulty construct that the lighter, (laughs) the hue, the better are you. That was a faulty construct. And so even within the, the spectrum, you are affirming like many of us that this this wicked idea of uh, of a slant towards better um, is 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 problematic and has to always be addressed it absolutely does and you know i don't believe it could have been done without god being present with you guys i agree i, I agree i just think it was splendid and i i'm really congratulate everyone who was involved with it. I was going to call earlier, and I just haven't done it until today, but I'm glad I waited to talk to you. Right, right. Keep it in prayer, because my heart's desire is that America would be able to get a grip on it, because we have been so blessed by so many things that God gratuitously has bestowed upon us that we don't deserve, that this one Achilles heel, really, if we could really get a handle on it and deal with it appropriately, um, we could be a model for the rest of the world that deals with some forms of it as well. I absolutely agree, and I want to thank you again and the rest of the panel. Um, so have a, have a blessed Thanksgiving. You too, my sister. Let me go to line one and talk with Brandon in San Francisco. Brandon, how are you today, my friend? I'm fine. How are you? Great, great. What you want to talk about? I was just curious earlier, um, if, I, if I heard you correctly, um, when you said... Um, the people were not, um, was it thankful by nature? Right. Thankful, not faithful. I couldn't remember if I heard you correctly. It's thankful. 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 Okay. Right. So let me rephrase so, the prop. Let me rephrase the proposition. And I am looking forward yeah. to your response. Cool. Right. By nature, we're not thankful by nature. We're, we're selfish. And so what has to occur with us is we have to discover those blessings that surround our lives and that impart into our lives all of the values that they do with regards to who we are and who we are becoming. And so that I said that thankfulness is an epiphany. It's the thing that occurs when one gets uh, arrives at a place where they are able to start uh, self-indexing in a healthy way and realize There were a lot of things going on that contributed to where I am, who I am, and what I have. And as a consequence, now this disposition of thankfulness occurs. Without it, we're like the child that comes out of the womb, self-centered, 
and selfish and, and always crying, me, 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 me. The distinct difference between a mature person and an immature person is that the mature person starts to live from a place of thankfulness and gratuity for who he is and what he has uh, and therefore is able to be more of a servant to others. That's the way that I would frame it for you. Okay. Um, all right. I was just sort of confused by that because I don't think that people are are without um, thankfulness. Um, I, I don't think that you teach that to a child. I think that you encourage that in a child. But it's something that they do understand by nature in the same way that they understand self-centeredness by nature. And as parents, we try to... Um, discourage that and to sort of reduce self-interested behavior and, and self-centeredness. Um, but I don't have to teach self-centeredness either. Uh, they understand that by nature, and they also stand, understand thankfulness by nature. Otherwise, I don't think it would be possible to teach it to them. Uh, it, it's like, you know, trying to get someone who has been blind since birth to understand the concept of the color red. Like it just wouldn't make any sense if there wasn't, uh, if there, if your the human brain just was not wired that way from the beginning to understand the concept or to to experience the feeling of gratitude when someone does something for you and then you say, aha, don't you understand that feeling? You feel, uh, you know, grateful or happy that someone did something nice for you. Imagine that that's what somebody else feels when you do something nice for them. I mean, that's that's how we. That's how we teach kids. Um, and I, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what the motivation is to say that children or just I guess that would be humans in general just don't feel thankfulness by nature. Right. So what, what, you, what, what is the motivation to, to think that? The observation is fact. In fact, if you were to listen. But, it's not, but that's, that's Brandon, not fact. Brand, I, Brandon. I just explained that. Not, that's All not right, a fact. So I let you. I let you. I let you. I'm going to just use your own words. If you were able, uh-huh. if you were able to run back what you stated to me, you yeah. would you would in part be affirming what I'm saying, even though even though instinctively you don't particularly care for the fact that I'm I'm stating an absolute relative to who we are by nature, selfish creatures. But take take I'm your son. Your your, abs- your absolute isn't based on fact. Your absolute is an assertion that is not based on the evidence. The evidence children is clear. So 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 stay with me for a second, Brandon. That. Stay with me for a second. So you you have a child? I do. Okay, so now you have to teach that child several things. I don't care what you say about it there being intrinsic principles by which they ultimately discover it, which is why I said it's an epiphany. I said it's an epiphany. That's probably what you didn't hear because you were hearing me talking about a fundamental disposition of humanity, which I still believe is true. But I use the children as an analogy because Paul used it in First Corinthians chapter 13. When I was a child, I thought as a child, when I became an adult, I put away childish things. That, that's something that, that, w- that came not only just out of a Christian context, it goes all the way back to, to Aristotelian thought as well. And this is what the didascalon is all about. This is what teaching is about. This is what parents do with their children. We teach them. We model for them. And and I agree with this particular point that I think you're trying to make. We model for them things that we trust and believe are intrinsic to their nature, but need to be developed or need to be brought into being by the education that they get in their life. This is why I use the term epiphany. And so our children, and I've had plenty of them, everybody that listens knows, our children will show a tendency of selfishness. And that's why God said, let them have parents. No child exists in the world without parents. Parents are good for them. Parents are a model for them. Parents are an echo for them. They are safe boundaries for them. But we also do instruct them. That's what the word no means. No, no, no. Until they get it. And you're right. They're even educated by people doing good for them. But even that that spark of revelation that they have has to be cultivated. And that's what parents are for. So I say this, that God, who's who is the grandparent of all souls, does the same thing with you and me in our world. We 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 wake up some days realizing we stunk it up like a little child in our selfishness. And we have the epiphany and we we become better people for it. Oh, oh OK. I mean, 
Yes, but you just admitted that they experience it and that we cultivate it, we encourage it. It's not a concept or a feeling, a disposition. The, the experience of, of thankfulness and gratitude is really an emotion. It's, the, it's the, the sensation that you feel towards someone when they've done something good for you. Uh, the, the happiness, the, 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 that, that, that emotion is what we apply the term thankfulness to or gratitude to. And that can take many, many different manifestations, and the behaviors that you exhibit uh, after the fact can, can, you know, be, um, can be various. But the, the feeling is the, is the thing that I'm talking about. That's not foreign to children. They, you know, it, it would be like saying, of course, you don't have to t- teach children to be angry. But no one would make the, the silly assertion that you have to teach children to be happy. Uh, you don't have but to happiness children... and thankfulness are not the same thing. I, I understand that. I understand that. But I'm using it as an analogy. I'm saying that if anger, a negative emotion, which I'm sure that you would admit you don't have to teach to children, right? Not uh, at if, all. If that's something that they can feel by nature, happiness and love is also obviously, I mean, I would say inarguably, not something that you have to teach to children, even though we instruct them in healthy ways of loving people and, and, and boundaries and that kind of stuff. I mean, that's, that's, that is mature parenting, right? I would say but this. We, but by the same token, we don't have to, uh, we, there, there's no way for me to explain to a toddler the feeling of thankfulness. But that's because we you're confining it. You're, defi- you're defining it very narrowly. So I do not, I do not so adopt your definition. Exactly. I would be glad to express it to you. I do not, I do not define thankfulness as merely a feeling. I define thankfulness as a revelation, an epiphany, a cognition, a coming to recognize when gathering all the data together what has occurred. This is something that requires the mind to be able to think through. Feelings of thankfulness yeah, one may have that a kind of sense of gratitude. But when we're talking really about thankfulness in terms of an epiphany, it's what moves you now to respond in a way that affirms that you had this internal, not feeling, but cognition, this awareness of things happening in your life that you now are almost obliged to respond to accordingly uh, versus the selfish, narcissistic sort of disposition, which is also kind of a a morbid hyper self-interest that it's all about me. So I'm saying that we probably have two different definitions of thankfulness. I do concur with the feeling, but I don't stop there. Well, I'm not stopping there either. I'm just saying that that's the kernel. Of the more, if that's true, um, then I think you would actually agree that, with me when you when you work it through a little bit more because you're no, bright. You're a bright no, man. I, you're a bright man. I think I, you I, would though. I, I don't, don't think you. I, I do not think that you. I don't think that you, Brandon, would 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 deny that you actually have to teach your children how to be aware of the thankful disposition that they are in. I think you do have to teach them that. I think they do have to be able to rise above their selfishness and begin to establish value systems that are existential to them versus everything centering on them. This is how they move from that kind of uh, pre-adolescent to adolescent to mature um, adult decision-making lifestyles. And I think that that is what I am getting at around thankfulness over time. It's cumulative. It's a growing cognition. It's a growing awareness that also has to be um, modeled by those who um, who are parents over them. You have to model that. Of course. I, I said that at the very beginning. Okay, so then we agree for the that's most part. How, that's, how we, that's how we encourage this in kids. I just don't think that it's – I think there's maybe a weird tendency to say only the bad is intrinsic to people. And even within your own belief system, I mean, obviously I don't agree with you about – And that's the main point lot, for which you're calling. theologically. That's the reason why you're calling. And, and listen, no, that's the reason why you're calling. Here, we, we, we agree, though, Brandon, you don't realize it. Let me just finish this thought because okay. I, 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 I want to ask you a question. Okay. I, it, it's a question. I'm not, it's not just a statement. Within, within your own belief system, that would be confusing to me. The, the impulse to say people are just naturally selfish, they're just naturally self-centered, 
um, and 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 are are bent in that direction. That's all that they are, because that would imply to me that the idea that people are born fallen, uh, in which I might say that they're born, you know, if I if I'm working within your framework, sinful, born tainted, born born um, sinful, bent in the direction of sin, right? Um, they're, they're not born sinful in the sense that they're born guilty of having done anything, but they are born sinful in the, in the sense that no matter what they do, they will be un, uh, unable to avoid sinning in the future once they're born. Right. right? Once, once if, you, if we but, stay but, with but, it, we, we have to broaden the definition to make it cogent to people that are out there. And I'm, I'm, I appreciate you laboring with me. I'll okay, tell you so, what. So we, hold on, Brandon. Okay. Brandon, hold on. Don't go anywhere. Sure. We're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit more. Hold on for a second. Let's take a break and uh, and do some pay some bills, and then we'll come back with Brandon and expand on the topic of all the labor of man is for his own belly until God shows him better. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. All right, we're back. The time is five fifty-five on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Three lines open, by the way. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. If you want to chime in on our conversation, one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. So, Brandon, you know, once we start really working through a particular controversial subject that uh, you would uh, engage me in, that we're gonna we're gonna largely be working from uh, two premises: your premise and my premise. And because you don't hold to a biblical worldview, as do I. You know, at the core, we're going to be in difference. We're going to be at conflict on certain levels. You know that, right? Well, of course I do. Okay, so let's start with my biblical worldview around my proposition, and then um, and then you can respond. So my biblical worldview is not uh, Jesse's opinion. It's the Bible's opinion. And so what the Bible says, first and foremost, is that all have sinned. And continue to come short of the glory of God. This is Romans 3.23. Let me just basically set it forth. And I know you know enough about the Bible to have heard that before. That means, sure okay, so we that, that text simply says that we come short of doing those things that we ought to do the way that they ought to be done. If that proposition is true, then when I make the statement that we are naturally selfish and that thanks, thankfulness, thanksgiving, having an attitude of responding appropriately to blessings that are existential to us, that come to us from the outside, is not something that happens naturally. It is an epiphany. It's something that we grow in awareness of over time by several factors that come into play. Secondly, the Bible says that all the labor of man is for his own belly. In other words, the biblical observation is that we are naturally selfish. And then the Bible also says uh, that that with regards to mankind, that mankind um, will proclaim his own goodness. But God does not find that mankind actually lives up to the level of goodness that God has has actually ordained for him. So we are all in this this coming short state as human beings. And that plays itself out in several areas of our lives and throughout the process of human development from a child to an adult. For the Christian, what that means, Brandon, is that the solution to our coming short is God's work of grace in our life to bring us to an awareness of that and then showing us the solution of that coming short that is redemptive in nature that actually brings about a process of thanksgiving. But we also assert, Brandon, and then you can take it from here, that God does that with all human beings. He puts them in a place where they find themselves grateful for and showing thanks for things that they don't deserve that God allows in their life. And and in fact, that is going to be a point of obligation uh, when you face God on the last day. You're going to have to give an answer to God for his goodness in your life. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I'm not worried about that. Um, but I, I the, the part that, that I'm confused about mm-hmm. is the tendency, and I remember this from my days in the church too. This is, this is kind of why I was calling. I just wanted to make sure that I was understanding you correctly. Um, because I've heard you, you talk similarly to this before in the past, mm-hmm. in that essentially human beings have to own everything about themselves that's bad, right? Um, but everything that's good, every good tendency uh, that a person may experience, well, that's really just a gift from God, right? That's, that's biblical um, proposition. That's explicit biblical testimony. Okay. You, you got that right. Except 
that can't be because then you keep talking about the imago dei the, the image of god in a human being right it would imply then you would you could only deduce that fallenness whatever that is whatever else it is it must mean that it erased that image from human beings not at all entirely not at all hang on let let me finish my idea let me finish my idea otherwise if we're defining god as good in your in your belief system then there's no way for a person to ever exhibit anything that's been good the fall has taken that out of them otherwise there's no way you could say that the only thing that a person is is all of these negative things that they are only selfish they're only self-centered you would have to be you would be forced to say that even if most of the time human beings are self-centered and selfish because of the fall and because of sin because of the image of god that remains in them sometimes they are other centered sometimes they are bent toward helping other people sometimes they are not selfish you'd have to say that otherwise you would be admitting that all of the image of god has been wiped out of them and i never understood that to be part of christian theology okay so let me let me develop that then you didn't get christian theology right you just didn't get it right (laughs) Right. No, I'm, See, listen, I'm listen, Brandon. Really, it's Brand, really Brand. funny that every well, time you talk about Christian theology, it's your own theology. Well, let's, but it's, that's well, what the Bible's talking about. Right. Jesse's so theology no, and the Bible's theology. Not at all. Uh, we're, no, we're talking. We're, you're sort of like a little pope. I well, no, we're talking general. I, I general. I'm not. I'm not using any ad hominems with you. I'm just simply sharing with you that Brandon, you didn't get a proper understanding of a biblical anthropo- anthropology, nor did you get a proper okay. understanding of the fall of man. So let me just share with you what that means. I mean that uh, when we say that mankind is sinful and therefore he cannot do good, we are saying that he does not ever arrive at sinless obedience. There is a spectrum of his behavior pattern that is limited, and we say that that is also limited in terms of how bad he can be to God's restraining grace. It's also true that we would assert that the good that men do is a limited good that never arrives at the standard for which God has called us. And even that good is a good that's prompted by God's grace in his life. When God says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, we're talking about the standard of obedience that requires our our thoughts, our actions, our motives, our intent to correspond fully with God's word. And it's very clear by the obvious, uh, by the evidence of scripture, as well as human behavior, that we have mixed motives and mixed feelings and mixed thoughts about what we do. For instance, you and, may, you and I may observe that an individual is walking an old lady across the street, and we would call that good. But God may very well see that in that man's heart, that his motive is wrong for that. At the core of his motive, he wants to get something out of it for himself. He's not doing it for the glory of God. From God's vantage point, that's evil. So why is doing it for the glory of God the motivator? Because God is the... As far as I can see, doing something for yourself, I mean, and I'm I'm using that term sort of loosely. Well, yeah, go ahead on, because you can't go any any other place. The street is doing it because it makes him happy to ensure that the lady is safe. He doesn't want it, it, it... it, it's uncomfortable to him to see her struggling, or he wants to make sure that she's safe because uh, if she does get hurt crossing the road and he could have done something, he would feel bad and guilty about it that he didn't step in when he had the opportunity. And so he uses that time to walk the old lady across the street. So it is about her, but it's also clearly something he's doing for himself. But that's, that's right. Not bad. That's well. So why would doing it only mm-hmm. for the glory of God? Mm-hmm. Be the ideal. What, right. What do you What do you get out of that? Exactly. That's that's where we are, and this is the disconnect that occurs when one does not see the importance of your actions and motives and deeds being rooted in the glory of God. So when the Bible tells us who are Christians, whatever you do, 
Whatever you do, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 31, whatever you do in word or in deed, do all to the glory of God. So what you have to say, at least, Brandon, first of all, taking away the ad hominem as if I'm building my own theology, I'm very well scripted in general theology as a whole, and I love teaching it because I can demonstrate scripturally without twisting the scriptures into some bizarre interpretation that it's rendered that way. This is the general Mm -hmm. teaching of anthropology. This is the general teaching of Martiology, that is the fall of mankind and its impact upon society. And this is the reason for which we need redemption. And this is also the reason for which God warns that there will be masses of people standing before God on the last day, boasting in their own good works. So, for instance, you say that the individual crosses the street with the lady and, and does it for his own sake. Uh, But he doesn't do it for the sake of the God that gave him breath, strength, health, the ability to walk across the street with her, get her there, and all of the other attendant blessings that he has in his life that allows him to do that. He's stealing glory from God, and he's going to answer God for that, as would me and you. How how do you steal? This is one of the things I've never really understood. You don't understand a lot, Brother Brandon. This is like the third thing you don't understand. Go ahead on. Yeah, I I understand. I understand. (laughs) You're Okay, hang, hang on a second. If God is glory, okay? Glorious and glory. Uh, if God is um, peace, if God is love, um, I can't diminish him, right? He's, he's the infinite source of all of those things. So, uh, you know, if, I mean, if you had an infinite supply of anything, I can't take something of yours away and truly diminish it. You have an infinite supply. You can lose anything any amount, and never, ever be diminished by that. There's, I, I don't understand how okay. you steal glory from right, God. So, so see, does that affect God okay. in any way? Yeah, well, see, that this is—now, I know you're smarter than this, because I just know you are. I know you actually think through through logical— propositions and syllogisms. You weren't going to engage in ad hominem. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, I'm sorry, Brandon. Okay, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I think that what you do with me, I I think that in other venues, this is what I think about you. I think that in other venues, you do a really good job of of demonstrating your gray matter, your ability to think things through and have have logical conversations with people that can also advance ideas in a way that it takes away conundrums and, 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 and contradictions and things of that nature. But Sometimes when you're talking to me, what you do is you, 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 you give this kind of narrow proposition that doesn't take into consideration many variables, many variables. So you're drawing a conclusion about God that makes, for me, as I'm sitting here thinking, I said, come on, Brandon, do a better job. So follow what I'm getting at. I'm going to. In a relationship, because this is really all mm-hmm. relational. This is all relational, brother. God is a person. In fact, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Blessed okay. Trinity. And you and I are an extension of their thoughts, purposes, and wills. They, they brought us into existence. And they brought us into existence to have a relationship with them. And in fact, they actually endowed us with qualities of rationale, thinking, morality, ethics, etc., by which we can even engage with one another about God, which the other creatures can't do. This is Genesis one twenty six. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And so we can talk about moral, ethical things. In fact, we can practice them. The problem is, is that we do it in such a flawed way that we find ourselves talking about things like we're doing now uh, and and we we excommunicate God out of the equation as if he's not a person. So let's bring God back into the equation. All right, let's just say, let's say, uh, for instance, the, the, the person you are married to, you're married, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's say the person that you're married to, that individual possesses qualities, characteristics, and predicates unique to them. This is what makes them an individual like nobody else, as is the sure. case for you. So when yeah. you go out and you start um, trashing that person, talking bad about that person, or failing to acknowledge that person as a critical component to your life, you are stealing glory from them. Oh. Okay. I'm not sure I would phrase it that way. I don't really understand. Well, I think you got it, it was, brother. It, I think you got no, it. No, I, I understand. It, it, glory is not a meaningful term to me. I okay, so, okay, back up. Let me change it. Let me change it. I'm, I'm going to change it. You, you, I, let me change it, yeah. Brandon, because I want you to get it. Okay. You're almost home, brother. You're almost home. Glory happens to be... Quality, bo- sure. Glory happens... No, it's going to be the same quality. It's going to amount to the same thing. It's, 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 mm-hmm. it's, 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 the, it's the fame or it's the quality of, of reputation 
reputation that hallmarks okay. that individual for who they really are. That's a very mm-hmm. practical way to put it. Reputation. Okay. Reputation. Sure. Right. And, okay. and and so if you give me the hallmarks of your 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 the person that you love that you're married to and those qualities mm-hmm. and, and attributes uh, relative mm-hmm. to him are accurate, then you have glorified that person to me. And this is exactly how this works across the board. I don't know anything about Brandon as such uh, as the person who is more most intimately involved in Brandon's life. But that individual mm-hmm. has not only the right and privilege to talk about Brandon the way he does, but he's obligated to. So it is with Christians. We are obligated to glorify God with our lips, our lives, our words, because we know him at that level. And when we don't, we are stealing his glory. We are defrauding God of his glory. Now, the problem with us creatures on planet Earth, you and me and everybody else, <laughs> is we we really don't like to give God his glory. And it, it, it's just, it has to be something that God works in you. One of these days, yeah. you know, we're praying I mean, that I, that's the case. I, you know I, that. I think it's. I think it's mostly just that it doesn't make any sense because I I I, I couldn't say take a, a really really notable person in history. I mean, some I don't know, pick somebody that pretty much everybody agrees was was basically good and did did some amazing stuff. I, I don't know. And then yeah, you could by my piddly opinion say, ah, well, he was a jerk. You could do that. Absolutely. You did it. You did it. And you know who you could do it with? Anyone who does not know that person. Yeah, right. But I mean, but but it doesn't it doesn't really sort of matter. It does matter. Sort of, uh, that, Brandon, that, come on. Listen, Brandon, you got a, you got a child. That... Brandon, you got a child. Right. Uh, is it a son, a girl, or a boy? I have a son. Okay. Listen, no way on earth are, are you going to tell me it doesn't matter. If I misrepresent who your son is and and, and I defame him, um, mm-hmm. distort the facts about him, as glorious as he is in all of his qualities and characteristics and potential, mm-hmm. particularly as he reaches adult status, and you find out that Pastor Jesse is just shredding him apart. Mm-hmm. It's not going. It's not. If you say that it doesn't matter, I'm going to pull you aside and talk to you about love. Uh, is it is it affecting his life? Yes, it is. How? Yeah. Like, See, like, give me uh, easy, Which, easy. Listen, listen. Oh, Brandon, please. You know better. We live in the same. Brandon, Brandon, we live in the same world. Brandon, Brandon, we live in the same. We we live in the same world. We live in the same space. We live in the same village. Okay, so so let's just. Here's a hypothesis. Here's a hypothesis. All right, here here it is. Here it is, and I'm just going to leave it leave it like this. And I thank God that technology allows us to 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 do village together because that's what we're doing. You know, whether you see it or not. And I do know that I could impact your son by virtue of our mutual connections that we are not aware of. Okay. I could do that. I could do that. I could impact your son. Some idiot out there. Uh-huh. I know. I know. I know. I'm not, I'm not supposed to use that term. But see, I've got sons and daughters sure. and sure. grandsons and granddaughters. And I'm going to protect their reputation and I'm going to protect their fame. I'm going to protect their potential. And when somebody out there misrepresents that, they've got to deal with me. Oh, you mean like cyberbullying? Oh, I don't care what it is. All all, all of this, all of this is coming. Big B, Big B. I didn't understand you were implying before. That, I would agree, would be a real harm. Yeah, that would be something I might take you to task for. Not only that, though, Um, Brandon, Brandon, not only that. I mean, if I had the power to affect the structures that are in place to assist your child. And I wanted to Uh discriminate against him. If I wanted to exercise racist policies against him, if I wanted to uh, vent my prejudice against him, I would be doing the same thing. This is why the race issue is not going anywhere. I I agree. But here's here's the here's the difference, because I know you're drawing an analogy. I'm going to give you the final word. Okay, I know you're drawing an analogy there, and it's an important one. I would agree in that circumstance. And I would agree that if someone was doing the same thing to one of your sons, that would be wrong. I think so, and too. if I could affect change to protect him, I absolutely would. Here's the difference, okay? And if you want to set up this, you know, the, the, the diminishment of glory or the diminishment of reputation in those terms, then I agree with you. The difference is that absolutely none of us can do that to God if he exists. There's no way I can change God's life, change his existence for the worse. I can't actually affect him that way. I can't ever discriminate against him. 
There's nothing I could ever do to frustrate or foil his plans. He's the all-powerful, almighty ruler of all existence. I love it. So, the, so the, the, I, there's no way. So do me a favor, my brother. Could this, ever do anything bad to him. So this is what I want you to do for me, because now I got you. But I don't have time to go further. I do want to take that proposition up in the future, because I, I think um, I, I would, if I wanted to, and I know this would just blow categories, we can, and we do. Mm-hmm. And I'll talk about it from a different vantage point, maybe in the future, because, you know, for whatever <clears throat> divine reason there is, we have a relationship, you and I. And, and I actually appreciate the dialogue. I appreciate where you're coming I, from. I do, too. I actually really like you a lot. Right, right, right. Well, that's great. That's what we want. We, we want that because we all have to live on this planet together. And, and I like thinking people. I actually think that that's the gift that God has given you, although you may not you may not want to own it that way. I'm simply saying, let's talk about a little bit later about how we can injure God uh, in a in a in a way that's that's very relevant to God and to us. So I thank you for the call, my brother. Blessings. Right. Yep. Got to take a break. Everybody on the line that's been holding on all this time, we'll we'll be right back. We'll be right back. That's how you love on people and listen to them and hear them out. Hey, he has a lot of good points. I just think, well, you know what? One of these things, one of the things that's really going on here, you guys, often is um, we are all closer to God than we really want to admit. So says Paul in Acts 17. He's not far from every one of us. I'll be right back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 